Welcome to this episode of the New Space India podcast, a bi-weekly talk show that exclusively talks about India's space activities. The traditional way of entering space business in India was to work with ISRO and go through a vendor qualification system where ISRO would come and qualify the facilities and the manpower of a particular vendor and the vendor would then enter the ISRO supply chain. Of course this brought a lot of constraints to the vendor because the vendor could never graduate to then assembling an entire satellite or an entire rocket over the last 30 years this also meant that the vendor traditionally never took a risk to build a satellite of their own and offer services on top of that one of the hallmarks of the emergence of new space in india is the emergence of startups who are planning to build their own set of satellites which can provide services directly to businesses or consumers this is definitely a big change from the traditional vendor system of isro or the suppliers in the isro ecosystem since these companies are really talking about vertically integrating themselves by using satellites as assets in space which can then provide services on top of it in this episode of the new space india podcast i chat with chitij who is the cto of one such team called pixel which plans to put together a satellite series which can image the earth and provide insights and analytics to tackle various different problems that we have in the society chitij uh, welcome to this episode of the new space india podcast uh, thank you very much you know for taking some time during the weekend uh, to get on the show thank you for having me here narayan and uh, thank you for continuing the podcast both avesh and i uh, at pixel we are a huge fan of the podcast and uh, thanks for doing what you do it's it's really great tell me a little bit about uh, you your and uh, avesh's uh, background and you know how do you guys got into space how did you meet how did your project begin both of us we come from really small places in india i am from uh, the vidarbha region in maharashtra and uh, avesh is from uh, chikmagalur here in karnataka and uh, both of us uh, met at bits bilani where we both were studying in the same year avesh was one of the founding team members at hyperloop india this was uh, Uh, India's first uh, entry into the SpaceX Hyperloop uh, challenge in uh, 2017 this team participated uh, got selected uh, as one of the finalists and then the entire team uh, built the pod here in Bangalore and uh, took it to uh, took it to LA and presented it to the mask so uh, that's sort of how I am at Aves I was one of the members of the Hyperloop India team we'd already been friends and uh, uh, after the whole Hyperloop uh, India thing we just uh, uh realize we work really well professionally as well and uh since then uh, we started looking at uh, opportunities and uh, different problems we could solve one of them was the uh, ibm watson ai xprize and uh, we wanted to solve um, problems in uh, india that affected the population as a whole one one of the biggest challenges in india is uh, making agriculture more efficient so we started with uh, that and we realized that we could work with satellite imagery to actually create this change uh, at a large scale so uh, that's sort of how uh, avesh and i met each other uh, and we would be huge fans of uh, space and space stuff <laughs> so yeah that's sort of how we got into uh, creating pixel when when you're of course students you know the setting is very different and uh, university settings are of course very different I, i also as a student participated in some of the university projects and i know that you know the the shift between doing something at a university where you have certain backing of friends or family is very different from uh, you know starting a company right um so in that context um, what uh, what actually made you to pick uh, this area and uh, you know uh, did you guys think that uh, this was a good time to start or you know you wanted to just uh, you know maybe work for some companies in india which are doing space uh, what was the you know thing that made you you know do a company rather than just work for someone i mean we are both uh, ambitious by nature and we both love space so um personally for me ever since i was uh, i was a kid i read about the voyager missions and uh, i was just a big fan of what um, we as a species can do and uh, uh, since then uh, growing up on the stories of the heroics of uh, the indian space research organization and uh, the stuff they pulled off uh, which was really commendable we we were on that trajectory we wanted to be a part of this change that was coming 
uh, we could see that um, SpaceX uh, was doing some incredible stuff. It still is. Uh, the ecosystem as a whole was growing very rapidly at that point. And we wanted to be a part of that. We wanted to be able to contribute something. But um, we just did not want to take the uh, the long road <laughs> towards that. Given that uh, both of us were interested, um, we had a, a real problem to solve. We were also at the right uh, right time to solve that problem. Making a space company, building a space company, uh, seemed like the right thing to do. So far, it has it has been a very uh, interesting journey. So when you uh, wanted to do something more in space, and uh, you know, are trying to look at different things, space is of course uh, encompassing a lot of things. You know, you could have chosen to build rockets, or you could have chosen to build ground systems. You could have uh, chosen to do space applications. Uh, or, you know, there's uh, tons of other things that you could actually do. Uh, so what, uh, you know, led you to um, looking at problems related to agriculture or, uh, you know, then focus on more of satellite imaging? Was this because of your own uh, personal experiences, backgrounds, or was it something that you thought uh, is now more interesting to solve? Uh, yeah, and that's an interesting question. Both of us, uh, both of us uh, had seen some problems first and uh, personally for me, uh, coming from that farming background, uh, I've seen problems in Vidarbha, which is the uh, drought-prone region in India, which is known as the drought-prone region in India. And uh, apart from that, even uh, uh, with pollution in Delhi, with uh, with so many different things uh, on ground uh, that needed solutions, uh, we could not we could not just go and do something outrageous because uh, one it requires a lot of capital uh, as students uh, that that was a uh, that was really difficult and second we wanted to we wanted to continue that trend that Isro had set of being nimble and also giving uh, very hard results on ground so those are the two reasons why we instead of making a rocket company or uh, doing some other space-based applications, we set our uh, hearts on remote sensing because it had very real applications on ground. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, always a very interesting, uh, uh, I would say remote sensing is one of the, you know, niches which has been underexplored in India quite a lot. Uh, because I think a lot of uh, what ISRO generates in, in terms of uh, capacity of imaging is mostly used in uh, government to government applications. And uh, I actually haven't seen many of the applications uh, very that goes down to the end users to to a very deep extent that can actually affect the economy. I think it's a very interesting area that you are definitely working on. Uh, now tell me a little bit about, um, you know, when you approached uh, this problem set, did you happen to do some research on uh, what ISRO had in terms of imaging, if you could access that imagery and do, do some applications on top of that? Or did you find that ISRO was not uh, addressing certain problems or certain uh, kind of image quality or, you know, image uh, availability? You know, uh, tell, tell me a little bit about uh, these kinds of angles uh, where you saw gaps in the system. So in the beginning, uh, we were working with uh, open data sets, uh, open uh, imagery data sets. Uh, while working with them, we uh, we tried to understand what the problems with these data sets were. Uh, like I mentioned, we started with uh, the IBM Watson AI Prize and uh, actually wanting to participate in it. But then we realized that the current satellite imagery isn't good enough. Um, either it does not have a good revisit or it does not have a good resolution. Uh, or the proper coverage. There are multiple factors. So uh, that was one. As far as uh, ISRO goes, uh, the one of the first few people we reached out to were uh, folks at NRSC. And they definitely are doing some credible work. They are working on their data set. They've got a great bunch of scientists, some great people who are uh, working on this data. But again, they are limited uh, in the scope. And they're also limited by policy, by other grants that come. So there are a lot of restrictions on those people, even though they are doing some incredible stuff. We we wanted to get out of those uh, restrictions. We wanted to do this on a global scale. That's sort of the difference I feel is there. That's sort of the change uh, from that mindset is there. So you and uh, Aves, uh, you know, of course, you were the guys who originally started this uh, project or the company together now. Uh, did you find uh, any of your uh, students or uh, any other alumni from your, uh, you know, from your university also backing you? How how did you build up the team for this? 
Aves was a part of the student satellite team at Bits. He knew the team that we would need to put together, the kind of people we would need to go ahead. We actually started with um, some very uh, very outrageous timelines uh, in the summer of last year. And then uh, through uh, talking to different people like yourself, talking to different people in the industry, uh, we realized that we need to set more attainable goals. As far as uh, people from our own uh, college go, we, uh, I mean, Manas and Tejas, we are uh, the first few people, first two people who joined us. Uh, they were from the same batch. They do comms and uh, mechanical thermal stuff, respectively. Uh, apart from that, we got a bunch of juniors as well. We got people on the AI side. So there's definitely a lot of interest in projects of this kind. And because uh, we had that experience in building uh, a very hardcore technical team uh, while being a part of Hyperloop India, we just um, we just replicated that model when we began. Interesting. So uh, when you when you were talking to some of these ISRO people, you know, what were their reaction when you said, okay, did you tell them that you want to begin a project that will look at uh, independently having a company that will do imaging? Was, was, what was their feedback like? We, we had an interesting approach to that. We actually, whenever we used to talk to people where we felt that uh, it might not be um, a good idea to just tell them that we were a little scared as students. Uh, we just told them that this was a student project. And actually it was at that time where we were focused more towards research and not actual market analysis that came somewhere around October, November of last year. But um, the reaction was, uh, they were surprised, some of them. Some of them were actually happy that there is a fresh initiative of this kind coming. People at NRSC were very happy uh, when they heard what we are trying to do. Uh, there, there were mixed reactions, but mostly they were, they found it refreshing, I would say that. Mm -hmm. And uh, how, how did you bring up uh, the capital? Did you have an idea of uh, how much capital you would need? What was the runway like? Um, you know, how, who would be your backers? Uh, were all of these uh, clear during the early days or how did you navigate all of this? In the very beginning, around um, April, May of uh, last year, we just had a very uh, broad idea. Again, the way we had worked uh, for Hyperloop, we set out to make a bill of materials. We tried to um, budget the whole thing. But then there are a lot of costs uh, that are involved in running a startup that are not exactly the technology cost. So uh, then we, uh, I mean, we got our uh, financial models reviewed by a lot of experts in the field. Uh, and we sort of uh, iterated every week at one point of time. Aves uh, was the one who was actually looking at this and he spent a lot of nights creating something that looked like uh, uh, that looked like a definitive model. And even at this point, we tried to work on making it more accurate. But uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's that's how we've come to involve all the different costs that that have been associated. And uh, over time, we've learned to we've learned to add costs that usually people tend to overlook. Yeah, given that, uh, you know, in India, there is uh, not really an ecosystem where you can get a lot of research-oriented funding. If you are in NASA ecosystem or the ESA ecosystem, you have uh, some of these grants, which is the SPIR grant or SCTR grants. Or in ESA, you have the SPIC, which is the Business Incubation Center. That gives you at least a little bit of runway for all of this. Uh, given that, you know, in India, you don't have that kind of leverage uh, for some kind of uh, funding that can actually give you some kind of cushion to, to build up your uh, your IP. What was your approach to, did you just say, we'll go to friends, family and raise some money until we get some investors? Or uh, did you already have uh, some angel investors who were interested in the project and were willing to back you? or? When we when we started out around uh, May uh, of last year to raise money, we were thinking that it would not be that difficult, uh, given the again given the whole hyperloop scenario where we had raised sponsorship. But it was uh, tens of times more difficult than that because when we reached out to people, uh, they wanted to see everything, starting from a pitch deck to your financial projections. We reached out to uh, I mean because there were no grants, we reached out to private equity uh, sector, we reached out to investors and uh, we got a number of no's uh, for a lot of months. Then uh, it was somewhere around October, Aves was, uh, Aves was uh, due to give his exams, the mid-semester exams for his final year. And uh, there was this event by Bitspilani alumni in the Bay Area, uh, one of these companies that we were working with, uh, one of their members uh, lended us some money. 
uh, Aves booked tickets to travel to the Bay Area and he pitched Pixel. So the first few commits uh, came from our alumni who really liked uh, what we were doing. Uh, more as a young team, even though <laughs> some of them did not understand exactly what we were trying to do. But yes, that those commits came. As they started coming in, um, as people started believing in us, we started refining our business model much better. Because if there is no market, there is uh, no scope to get good funding. So we tried to define our market really well and then raise money through private equity. But uh, yes, it would have been a lot easier if there were actual research grants, uh, substantial actual research grants in India as well, just like uh, NASA and ESA has them. Yeah, I mean, it's also a double-edged sword in my experience because, uh, you know, we even we have uh, some funding from, uh, for example, from ESA and always uh, the paperwork always seems more than uh, actually the time that we spend for the money. So sometimes it's also kind of a double-edged sword in that sense. Uh, but yeah, it's all, it's a good, definitely a good option to have uh, to get one, the branding, the backing or the branding behind uh, and also some, uh, some cushion, as I said. Um, so... Uh, right now, uh, what is the team size like? Uh, how, what is the, what is your uh, current uh, growth like, and what is your current projections or targets? Uh, sure. So, uh, just to add to the last thing, uh, you mentioned uh, having uh, uh, having backing from ESA or NASA, and we also felt that was really important because uh, we were doing the work that we were doing, but there was no real validation for it. And uh, I think that came through uh, the Techstar Starburst Space Accelerator, a program that we were part of uh, for the last three, three and a half months. And uh, because of partners like uh, Jet Propulsion Laboratory, NASA, Lockheed Martin, uh, Magzar, uh, and many others, we actually got validation for our technology, for our business model, for our market. Yeah, I think that is really important as well. Um, now, um, coming to your next question, the team size right now, we are nine people. Uh, there's uh, two of us, Aves and I, who are involved in a lot of different things uh, from fundraising to customers to uh, supply chain. Uh, there's uh, five of us who are involved in uh, manufacturing, testing, uh, design, all of that. And there's two of uh, us who are involved um, solely for the data infrastructure uh, image processing work that we are doing very good so when you actually started uh, looking at uh, supply chain and who you could work with in india given that a large number of companies uh, are already working with this road did you have an extensive uh, you know visit to some of these companies that work with uh, isro uh, or you know what was your experience like with them and uh, what what were your insights that uh, you could share supply chain was uh very difficult to start with because uh, one people need to establish that level of trust and when you are uh, a new company altogether uh, they don't they don't tend to give you that much attention and uh, they don't tend to share technology with you because uh, because of different fears but um, we found the space ecosystem uh, globally really helpful and uh, as far as uh, india goes uh, there are a lot of these uh, companies in india that supply to isro like you mentioned and uh, they they're not very well known but they do build space qualified components and uh, their their components have space heritage so uh, we we visited a few uh, of these in bangalore in chennai uh, in mumbai as well even though they have existed for a lot of years then there needs to be uh, a fresher outlook at this ecosystem as well there are no like there are no solar panel suppliers in india uh, space grid solar panel suppliers in india even if you want uh, batteries that are qualified for a space mission uh, you can't find them uh, in india so i mean you you may be able to but it's difficult to find all these companies in part thanks to you we were able to find a lot of uh, different companies uh, outside of india as well uh, who could supply us with components like these. So, yeah, uh, shout out to SatSearch. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but I want to dig deep uh, into your actually experience with some of the local vendors in India. Uh, when you approached uh, them, you know, uh, what was their uh, reply back to you? Were they saying uh, we only do specific components and or we only can uh, help you with specific components? Uh, processes of manufacturing or you know like uh, build to print kind of uh, approach uh, 
or you know the what was the general feedback like uh it was it was very mixed but um I, in general, a lot of these companies lack serious documentation because they have been supplying to Isro for so many years because they haven't really had uh, other customers in that particular segment uh, of their operations. Uh, they tend to ignore these things that are usually necessary when when I go and talk to them, uh, whether it's about quality control, uh, the testing uh, methodology that they have. Uh, a lot of these things are usually missing, but some of them do... Um, do have an end-to-end process, uh, but for separate components, there is no single manufacturer of uh, the entire sat bus, let's say, in India. You'll have to find a different guy who makes uh, your reaction wheels. You'll have to find a different person who will be making uh, the boards that will go into a satellite. You'll have to find someone else who will be doing the integration and then uh, testing facilities again, uh, an entirely different thing. So you have to be involved in putting different pieces of the puzzle uh, together in place. <laughs> Did uh, some of the scientists in ISRO or somebody in ISRO also help you figure out uh, which suppliers you could work with or made some recommendations? Yeah, so the ex-ISRO scientists uh, that we worked with have been really helpful to us. Uh, special thanks to Dr. Krishna Swami, Dr. Rajangam. They actually, when, when we talked to them, these are the people who um, heard us, who, uh, who thought that this could um, go and be a tangible product, be uh, be something big and uh, they've been guiding us throughout the course of our journey so far regarding not just suppliers but also regarding testing facilities from very simple things to the things that matter I mean the deployer uh, stuff that we've been working on uh, in terms of uh, the launch vehicle integration so yes we've had we've had a lot of support from uh, ex-ISRO scientists that we've worked with Excellent. I'm uh, very happy to hear that. I think most often uh, the some of the former ISRO scientists, they definitely are really helpful in figuring it all, all out. Um, I read some uh, you know news from you guys, uh, which was out uh, that uh, one that you booked a launch with uh, Precious Payload or using, uh, I think, uh, Glove Cosmos. And uh, uh, you were also, I think, uh, last week I read news that uh, you also have uh, a ground station partner, which is uh, Leaf Space in Italy. Um, so did you happen to, uh, you know, what was your consideration as to why you chose these partners rather than uh, somebody local or? It's about putting those pieces of the puzzle together. And because our focus was on operating these satellites on working on the data to generate information for our customers. Um, we decided not to venture into the whole setting up your own ground station thing. Uh, we definitely do, are not making our own launch vehicles. But uh, it was a great experience working uh, with these people. They've been really professional. As far as choosing them goes, there are multiple factors involved. For the launch vehicle, it's about the orbital parameters, uh, the LTAN that we want. It's about... Uh, from the altitude to the launch window that they provide. So these are these are different uh, technical factors involved. There are also uh, other factors in terms of the cost associated with launch. These are really expensive. Uh, apart from that, just uh, on the regulation side as well, we wanted the process to be a little smoother. As far as the ground station network goes, um, we wanted to partner with a global ground station network. And uh, because we were operating in uh, S-band, VHF, UHF, uh, Leaf Space is the best option, in my opinion, to operate in that region. We've had a really good experience uh, working with uh, Giovanni Taylor and their team. Uh, yeah, so th those those are sort of the uh, reasons for choosing these providers. Uh, for the ground station, especially getting more passes. So a global ground station network makes that easier. Absolutely. And uh, one of the interesting bits here also is that uh, in one of the episodes uh, where I talked to the chairman of Antrix, uh, I had mentioned to him that the 18% uh, GST uh, for Indian companies for launch, which is weighed for the foreign companies, may affect companies like you, for example. And he had uh, replied back saying, we are trying to lower the cost so that it offsets the taxes. So I'm not sure if they implemented all of these, but uh, I hope they do in the future. Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> so it's it's uh, about the policy change that uh, is that has been pending for some time, and I hope that happens soon. We would love to work with Azro. I mean, we are huge fans. Not just because we're huge fans of Azro, because the PSLV is a very reliable launch vehicle, and 
it it would make uh, it would make things simpler for us logistically as well we talked about uh, you know your overall process at the moment and how you're trying to build up your team and a little bit of funding and so on what tell me a little bit about uh, you know what is the satellite planning to do what is the payload uh, a little bit about the specs of what you are trying to fill as gaps in terms of the images itself naren the the way we started we wanted to uh, have real on ground applications and uh, we saw these problems in agriculture like to start with we saw these problems in agriculture uh, in terms of people not being able to uh, detect what disease there is not able to find out the health of the crop and not able to do that at a large scale i mean you can do that with drones but maybe for a taluka or maybe for a district at 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 maximum but uh, when you want to do it at a state level when you want to do it at a nationwide level um having satellite imagery becomes really important so we reverse engineered from the solution to the problem and uh, we talked to these different organizations uh, that worked with satellite imagery to actually solve these problems uh, even with drone imagery while talking to these people we realized that there were certain lapses there were these particular requirements for the data that they needed for the information that they needed there were some things that they did not want to do uh, that we are trying to take care of as well uh, so we realized those and the information that we provide essentially helps people detect a particular crop species because if it's mixed farming like uh, which is very common in india it's difficult to find out what the species of the crop is then there are things like finding out the health of the crop finding out the moisture content and the leaves and the soil the health of the soil itself um finding out uh, what nutrients there are uh, also if there is any disease if there is any pest infestation we can detect that and all these things enable us and our customers to be able to predict uh, let's say yield of the crop uh, which is again very beneficial for people in the commodity sector so that that is what our data enables us to do uh, along with these uh, applications there are other applications in oil and gas in mineral exploration in environment conservation uh, in pollution detection so we really have a very good shot at solving a lot of these problems a lot of these issues for our customers and uh, to start with we are focusing on agriculture there is uh, quite a lot of uh, free imagery and free image sources for example today uh, i know a lot of teams for example that are using uh, sentinel landsat and this kind of uh, open image data uh, so essentially what do you see as uh, you know lacking in this open data today that you may be able to bridge yeah so uh, with open data and with commercially sold data uh, there are problems like revisit rates uh, there are problems with respect to the coverage of the satellites sometimes there are issues with the resolution the best resolutions aren't available freely um, and if there if there are uh, if there are sources of very good resolution data they are usually very expensive so with pixel satellites we because we have a really low cost of manufacturing these satellites we are able to price our data our information much lower than most sources uh, available we have uh, the wealth of data that we provide enables our customers to do much more than they can do with the usual sources and uh, we definitely have worked with uh, sources like sentinel data like landsat data and some commercial sources of data as well and we have uh, tried to figure out what can happen better and those things have been implemented while building our satellites so uh, all all those learnings have gone directly into our camera awesome so uh, so from what i understand at the moment uh, you really have uh, from an end user's perspective uh, are looking at uh, more like not just applying imagery but uh, providing a service on top of the imagery that you will uh, you will be able to collect uh, yeah nara and definitely so there are different things that our customers need to do with the imagery and they don't want to be taking that effort of processing raw data to clean data and just instead of spending their time and effort and energy working on this imagery we do it for them we take we do all the leg work for them i guess and we provide them with actionable information we provide them with information that they can directly implement uh, into their detection models into their prediction based analysis or whatever they want to do with the data with the information 
of course when you are building some service like this uh, you know building a b2b business uh, normally is extremely difficult uh, especially to convince uh, companies if you are a new company by yourself uh, so when you talk to the end users uh, you know you see your primary uh, end users at the moment at least uh, when you are kicking off your uh, initial services as uh, indian stakeholders indian companies uh, that will use this service or uh are you then just spending most of your time outside of india talking to customers as the first adopters yeah so fortunately uh the the way we went around building our satellites which was talking to these people first uh helped us a lot because we knew what exactly uh was their pain point what things they required uh and what things they could not get from existing sources of satellite imagery so when we go and talk to a customer it's mostly about uh understanding what their actual problems are listening to them and then seeing how best we can how best our product can fit with them and in most cases uh we've had a very positive response from people because there is a need for this kind of information there is a requirement by customers uh who want this information it has very real applications as well so because of all these things we've been able to uh talk to our customers in a more uh, uh in a more friendly way than uh, we would have expected to uh, but uh, again because we do not have uh, an asset up in space right now it's difficult to convince these customers so we are we are moving to provide them with sample data so that they can work with it so that they can take their time to understand how it can best fit with their models and then go ahead with it so uh we've put those checks and balances in place to make sure that we provide the best value to our customers yeah i was also a little bit more interested in the geography as well because uh, you know since uh, i guess most of your team is based in india although yeah, you've spent quite a lot of time now in the us with the techstars accelerator as well um so you see as uh, the market uh, which is you know perceivable market the first customers uh, and the you know where you could tap the first uh, business out as uh, prominently being india or not in indian customers if you even if you take agriculture uh, to start with more than half the world's population is engaged in agriculture it's a it's a domain where we can talk to a customer whether it's in india whether it's in europe or if it's in the us uh, and understand that uh, the problem they have is something that we can solve so uh, through uh i mean in india we've been very actively talking to different players in this industry to understand how we can work with them and uh, fortunately we are working with one of them uh, skymet uh, based out of new uh, new delhi noida we've also talked to people in the united states who have been really interested because of the techstars accelerator one of our aims for the techstars accelerator was to get customer traction in the us and we've talked to big companies small companies alike to understand uh, how our information our product can benefit them uh can you give a couple of uh, you know examples on uh, what uh, is the gap today in the market and how uh, you may be able to fill that in some cases where you have satellite imagery you are able to find out if a crop is doing well if it's doing okay if it's doing moderate this information does not translate very well into getting uh predictions for yields of that particular crop even if you have on ground data surveys and other things they are very prone to human errors a lot of these things aren't scalable because they are done in a very selected region apart from that with current satellite imagery sometimes the quality is not good enough sometimes the resolution is not what they want many a times it's not uh financially viable to purchase that much satellite imagery that much uh data from a particular commercial organization and then uh, use that because uh, not not all of these companies would have the resources to do that uh, so quality uh, cost and just the revisit rates and the coverage those are the few gaps that are there with the satellite imagery that is currently available again with uh, with regards to processing sometimes the customers they have to adapt to a particular source of satellite information satellite based information and uh, we do not want them to do that we want to just provide them with 
what they exactly need so one of the uh, aspects that you talked about a little bit uh, is also the policy aspects uh, which we didn't talk uh, during this time are there any policies that uh, affect you uh, because i guess you know the only policy that i can think of at the moment is um, really the remote sensing data policy and that's mostly for i guess uh, high resolution uh, image distribution so uh, if you're not uh, doing less than 1 meter or something i think it should not be a, a problem in any case uh, in your case i guess you're not really distributing in images in any ways because you're just uh, you know building services on top and not really giving images itself as the end data uh yes narayan that's an interesting question so in india we aren't allowed to allowed to sell uh, satellite imagery directly uh that is why we want to and not just because of that because of the requirements of our customers as well we just want to provide them with uh, these value added services on top which is direct information from the satellite imagery um as far as uh, operating outside of india goes we do not operate in the sub meter domain which is uh, usually restricted the reason is because our satellite imagery is uh, richer um, in the spectral density that is ha- that it has and that allows us to work in all the different domains that we do not just the spatial resolution of the imagery one of the main trends that uh, i have seen in especially the satellite imagery related services are actually the uh, use of cloud today uh, if you look at uh, you know amazon or even uh, microsoft and all the cloud services that they have uh, started uh, people have started integrating imagery storage processing delivery of services all on cloud i don't think so isro really uses it uh, uh, i am not really aware uh, if isro uses it so vigorously where the the whole uh, downstream of data collection to then uh, delivery of services are are all cloud driven in isro's case as well uh, is this something that you have uh, thought about for uh, for your services or uh, definitely so one of the bigger problems for our customers is also the latency uh, at which they get satellite information and it can range anywhere from 2 to 3 days to a week or sometimes even a month we just want to cut that down to a few hours uh, our satellite image data gets updated every hour uh, sorry every day because of the global constellation and because of partnering with uh, companies like leafspace we have access to our satellite data very quickly then uh, integrating cloud services gives us the uh, gives us the option of working on this really quickly uh, through our algorithms uh, and then again serving it using cloud uh, it becomes a very efficient process rather than having uh, data centers of your own and then just using them that's also costly as far as uh, isro goes i mean they do have a lot of amazing options that they can work with so there's an interesting story we were working with uh, uh, working for the uh, techstar starbus accelerator we were talking to someone and they mentioned that uh, some of nasa satellites uh, use the amazon uh, gov cloud this is specifically for the government uh, it's in the us and an option like that in india for uh, an organization like isro could be really beneficial because they will also be able to just utilize all the cloud infrastructure that is already there instead of rebuilding the wheel so what is the timeline like for your uh, first mission then so when do you expect to launch so uh, as as the news says we are launching in june of next year june july uh, for that we are almost at the final stretch now we finished manufacturing we are undergoing the ait process assembly integration testing we will have a launch ready satellite by the beginning of next year so once that is done it's a matter of uh, integrating the satellite with the launch vehicle and just crossing our fingers for the launch uh, but um, yeah we don't want to stop between having a launch ready satellite and uh, launching the first satellite so this is the timeline for the first satellite but we are also working on two more satellites for the end of next year yeah i think uh, especially that uh, spacex has now reduced uh, the no the cost to like $5000 per kilogram or something maybe interesting for you guys oh yes definitely i mean um, we all like to joke about how there is this uh, uh, bubble of uh, launch providers but uh, it's beneficial for uh, companies that want to launch their uh, small uh, spacecrafts because the prices are very competitive and uh, in the last 5 uh, to 6 years i would say there has been a very drastic shift 
again spacex is one of the reasons one of the interesting bits that i always think about is actually you know this word uh, indigenous which is very used in isro's case you know where we always uh, claim that okay the the satellite is indigenous and so on but um, if you actually look under the hood uh, there is a lot of technologies in india which uh, we still depend on uh, foreign suppliers uh, as you said you know you talked about solar uh, cells for example or even uh, in in isro's case they have been fundamentally trying to build a lot of them uh, so lithium ion batteries are one i think which is now uh, built by isro itself which was earlier uh, being procured um, but uh, solar cells i'm not really sure if they have uh, uh, solar cell technology built up uh, to be able to go from the substrate to then having the entire panel produced and also for some other sensors and components that i also know uh, so uh, one of the interesting uh, estimates that i got from some people was that about uh, depending on the satellite it could be somewhere between 25 and 40% of uh, the components uh, being imported from uh, suppliers abroad which goes into the actual satellite even in isro's case yes uh, so there definite i mean indigenous depends i think uh, one definition i would like to use for indigenous is uh, it's being integrated and tested <laughs> in uh, uh, over here but uh, definitely not all components are available in india solar panels are one uh, there is no manufacturer that builds uh, space grade uh, triple junction or four junction solar cells uh, there are there are no manufacturers for uh, some components uh, in terms of the uh, the high speed radios uh, let's say or uh, sometimes there are just better providers for these components outside of india in some cases they have space heritage they have uh, better uh, documentation better testing methodology they have a clearer uh, path to the whole thing uh, and surprisingly enough in some cases for some very specific components they can also be cheaper than the providers in india so uh, because they build at scale usually it's funny to think that uh, an uh, an indigenous satellite it's is not exactly indigenous it definitely has Uh, uh like you mentioned around 25 30% components from outside but uh, we we're getting there slowly will hopefully in the next few years um we'll have a completely indigenously built satellite yeah fingers crossed for that for you for sure uh, and uh, when you talk about you know like exporting the satellite now to russia to get your launch uh, do you see any uh, you know red tape there or any kind of uh, bottlenecks there because uh, I am um, not sure that uh, there is a process set into play, or even if people know the correct process for, you know, exporting satellites out of India, especially the private ones. Yeah. So uh, as far as long as we stick to the policy that is there, we'll be able to uh, we'll be able to do that. Mostly in in case I mean while operating uh, in India, we have just uh, we've just uh, taken one thing into consideration to stay within the limits of the policy. that exists and uh, so far we don't see any bottlenecks to it as such great and uh, of course you are now i think uh, you said you have some funding going on and uh, you have two more satellites that are planned after the first one one of the tough uh, things that i see in india is actually getting access to kind of series a kind of money where you're trying to raise you know 3 4 5 6 kind of million dollars uh, to scale up your production scale up the team and services that you want to build uh, to the end customers uh, do you think uh, you will have access to capital for a series a round uh, within india or are you you know prominently looking outside of india for this there there are multiple things but i think one thing uh, that would trump everything else is just that we have tremendous belief that this is a very big market for us and we have enough validation that the technology is something that can address this market now as far as finding investors goes yes uh, the investors in india are a little risk averse um, i mean there are people who say that they invest in hardcore tech but that would just mean that i mean they don't really invest in something which is this uh, out of their uh, domain and uh, it's it's fair to them as well i mean they don't have the experience they don't have uh, that kind of willingness they don't have that kind of conviction for it so uh, if there are uh, investors in india who we are able to convince we would definitely want to raise money in india because we feel that it will give a chance for the indian ecosystem to grow but uh, 
again as as we move ahead to bigger rounds uh, we definitely have to be open uh, to the possibility of taking in foreign money as well you know over 10 years now uh, we've seen a lot of teams now come up finally trying to do independent things uh, you know given that uh, you are also plugged into the system now quite well in india uh, and a lot of young teams as well uh, do you see uh, you know a lot more people stepping into this uh, ecosystem or you see okay this will be flat now or people will be more scared what is your reading like yeah so there are there are two answers to this one is the conservative answer and one is the very optimistic answer i'll start with the conservative answer so i sometimes feel that uh, there was this uh, boom towards space exploration uh, in the in the 60s and uh, that sort of reached its cusp with the uh, moon landing in july 1969 and then it's sort of crashed because people realized that this was taking a lot of funding a lot of energy there is some sort of a competition again to get more and more access to space with but this time it's with private money with uh, billionaires getting into the race as well uh, that that gives a more conservative estimate that yes there might be some sort of a uh, a low time as well and we have to expect that but uh, there's a very optimistic estimate as well that uh, yes a lot of different companies are coming and this time when we go uh, outside we go there to stay so definitely some very interesting companies in the ecosystem in india itself uh, we've taken a lot of inspiration from people like you people like sushmita ma'am people like rohan uh, uh, from belatrix and uh, uh, so many different companies coming up it gives us confidence as well not just in the ecosystem in the market the fact that uh, it'll just become a uh, better i mean it definitely won't get easier but it'll get uh, more uh, i mean we'll have more options uh, to work with uh, and in general i feel that uh, uh, with the great plans that isro has uh, not just with gaganyaan but also with its own space station coming up with uh, i mean india wanting to get that part of the pie uh, of this modern era of um, the space this modern version of the space race uh, we feel that the private industries and private ecosystem in india will have a very big role to play uh, just like it had in the us I hope so too. Uh, and uh, one of the interesting bits here is uh, when, if you say, okay, now you know you have established uh, your services and your initial bit, and you also have this access to money, and everything is more or less aligned to you. What would a fully blown, uh, you know, pixel satellite system look like? How many satellites are you talking? So the first phase of a constellation will have twenty-four satellites. These will enable us to provide global coverage at a 24-hour revisit, and we'll be able to provide a latency of around six to ten hours um, to our customers. And uh, then, from then, we would want to get on to a better coverage, better latency. So, yeah, the full-blown Pixel constellation in its first phase will look like 24 satellites orbiting the planet uh, in sun-synchronous orbits. Do you also see a lot of uh, other bands, like for example? you know sar is emerging now uh, a lot of companies uh, new companies trying to do sar imaging and uh, doing it in small form factor satellites uh, do you are you also looking at a model where uh, you would use uh, some of these uh, uh, sar constellations and uh, uh, you know other uh, bands of uh, the electromagnetic spectrum that people are targeting uh, to complement your own imagery uh definitely so like i initially mentioned uh, that we want our data set to complement a lot of these other earth observation uh, data sets uh sar is difficult it's actually commendable the work that companies like isai capella have done uh apart from that yes other other parts of the electromagnetic spectrum as well uh there's thermal infrared imagery that has its own set of applications then there is uh, again imagery in the visible spectrum uh so Uh yes we definitely feel that uh, there is a scope of working with other partners uh, other companies in this uh, earth observation space uh, to actually create more value for the customers one of the challenges uh, that i have seen uh, you know many of these companies uh, face uh, at least in the us is uh, uh the the ability to scale up uh, commercial services uh, purely commercial services is actually still very challenging in the earth observation realm so if you look at uh, planet or 
any other companies, even in the other uh, parts of the electromagnetic spectrum, SAR or anyone, um, you see that uh, they still actually are heavily dependent on government and uh, especially the intelligence and you know defense community. Uh, do you think you can escape this? Uh, that's that's something that we'll have to uh, wait and watch. But uh, uh, I can say this that uh, uh, yes, we have that confidence, we have that belief uh, in the market, and uh, we know that the size is big enough. It's just a matter of reaching out to customers that uh, uh, traditional players, traditional commercial players uh, in the Earth observation market uh, usually haven't reached out to, uh, and uh, these. This may be due to the lack of uh, information in the data that they provide. This may be due to uh, resolution, due to revisit, multiple reasons. But uh, there are a lot of people who do not have the know-how on how to work with satellite imagery. That makes it difficult for them to adopt this as a solution. But uh, we want to open up those markets as well. So, uh, yeah, we, we believe that we'll be able to break out of it. But... Again, it's uh, it's something that we'll have to wait and see how how we go ahead. Are you planning to expand your team further, uh, you know, next year? And uh, if you are, then uh, you know, what is the kind of uh, skill set are you looking for? So that maybe you know some of the people who may be listening, uh, if it matches, maybe they can approach you for a job as well. Sure. So yes, uh, we we are hiring at the moment. I mean, this is uh, something that's been pending for quite some time. We have to actually put down those hiring posts. But uh, we are looking for people uh, on the engineering side, on uh, the data infrastructure side, people who can work with image processing, uh, with uh, satellite information, satellite uh, imagery, and uh, people who have that experience, who have had that experience of building satellites in India primarily. And also people who have sold satellite imagery. So business development, uh, satellite manufacturing, uh, AIT and uh, data. All three positions are open. Also interns, uh, we love working with interns as well. So if anyone uh, who's interested in working in space technology, who has that passion uh, for space technology, who wants to send something up there, uh, our doors are always open. Thank you very again for uh, getting on the show. I hope, uh, you know, uh, a lot of success to your team and uh, your vision. And uh, I hope that uh, there's a lot more young people uh, and experienced people in this road trying to come up with uh, their own independent companies uh, so that we have more of the new space activity in India. Oh, we hope so too. Thank you so much, Narayan. Thank you for staying until the end. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to curator at newspaceindia.com. Please consider sharing this episode with any friends or family who may be interested in learning about India's space activities. If you would like to stay in touch with the New Space India community, please use the link in the description to join the New Space India Telegram group. Feel free to also suggest guests for any future episodes. A new episode of the New Space India podcast is released every other Friday. Do subscribe to the podcast using Apple, Google or any other podcasting platforms you may use.